Hello, hospitalitarians. Welcome back to another episode of the Hospitality MD Podcast. I'm Kyle Allison, your host. Today we have a great episode planned. You'll be listening to episode one of our two-part series with Task Force General Manager from Hotel Equities, Josh Schreiber. On today's episode, Josh shares his experiences growing up in the business from doorman to general manager. Josh and I also discuss what he likes to call the underbelly of the hotel industry, what we have to deal with that we were never trained to do. So stick around to hear stories about Josh making friends with the homeless population around his hotel, about breaking up fights and walking in on a dead body in a guest room. Josh also makes a point to discuss something that doesn't get talked about enough. How do we cope with what we deal with in the hotel industry? Well, stick around. We've got that all planned for you on today's episode of the Hospitality MD Podcast. So Josh, you're a Chicago native, just like myself, uh, having worked in, I think you started with the Hard Rock, right back when it was the Hard Rock downtown? Yes. My favorite building in Chicago, the Carbide and Carbon Building, gorgeous, um, great experience. I got to meet so many celebrities. Um, it was <laughs> like, I got to meet Chaka Khan. Um who my I listened to growing my mom listened to growing up like I call it cleaning house music whenever I hear like that type of music it reminds me of cleaning houses kids and um she was all tits and hair and it just <laughs> walked through the doors great to meet her um and super friendly and almost shy which surprised me and she was the one I think I was most excited about just because of the childhood co- connection but um I, I think we've all been you know lucky to meet different celebrities and in our careers um and she's not even the biggest one i met but she was the one that i was most excited about meeting oh that's that's awesome yeah it's the one great thing that i think we can all relate to in this industry is whether it's a celebrity or just a family who's coming in from a a place and they've never stayed at your hotel and it's the fanciest place they've ever stayed you know we all get to meet a lot of interesting uh a lot of interesting people that way uh, so I, I want to definitely get into your experience a little bit more. So, you know, starting with that hotel, tell me a little bit about your career progression uh, and, and kind of how we got to where you are now as you're coming at me from a guest room in Colorado Springs. <laughs> well, I, I actually started off as a houseman in a casino hotel and I worked, I did it just for, to pay for, for college. I paid for my degree, which is not in hospitality. <laughs> Um, and I, I just, I worked, I think I did that for three months, but I was on the VIP floors there where all the whales were, and those were the best housekeepers. And like you had, it was kind of like revered to be on those top floors and, uh, like Miss, Miss Millie and Miss Yvonne and Maria, they were like our three, like main sweet housekeepers. And, um, they got, they had a say over who was their house person on the floors, which I think is amazing. That's how much um, respect they earned in the hotel. And um, I would often work on different floors. And one day I got assigned up there and they said, 
Miss Millie and Yvonne are testing you out. So, you know, be careful. So I was, and I guess they, they used to set up the houseman and put like $20 tips in the rooms and see if they take them. And I didn't take it. So I passed their test. So then they, they started requesting me to be up there and I was a very hard worker. I, I got that work ethic from my parents and I'm very grateful for that. And, um, it, it served me well. And I, 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 I would strip the rooms from them and then I started helping them clean and they would teach me different tricks in cleaning. That's this day. I still teach housekeepers. They were really amazing housekeepers. And I was, I, I learned a lot and that, um, kind of created my interest in, in the industry a little bit was, you know, the setting the stage portion of it, which is exactly what they did. And there were things that you would never notice. And, the, and the, there's even like a science to that where your eye comes in and immediately goes to a shiny object. And if there's a thumbprint on that shiny object, immediately you start to notice flaws. Whereas if it's completely sleek and smooth, it just captivates you and it, and it takes your eye to a different place. Your eye moves in a different way. And um, they they taught me that in a <laughs> in a less uh, theatrical fashion. But they said that like basically, like, hey, if you leave this on here, they're going to look at this and they're going to start noticing this. And and it was true. And I'm very grateful to those ladies for that. But then I, I got promoted to a housekeeping clerk, um, which was basically like a dispatch because it was a fairly big hotel. So we took all the requests. We did inventories, that kind of thing. And then um, moved into Bellman, which I did for years. And I that's those spots were hard to get into. And I think one of the Bellmen had just been late one too many times from one too many hard nights partying. And um, I, I was lucky enough to be able to interview for the job and took it. And that's when I really fell in love with it. And I had graduated college and I really didn't enjoy what I was doing. I had done like a short internship and it w was not for me at all. And at the end of it, the um, studio asked if I wanted to stay on. And I said, no, <laughs> because it was miserable. And, uh, and it was nothing by, it, they did everything right. It was nothing against them. It was just, it wasn't, it was not the right fit for me. And I was lost for a few years and I was just working as a bellman and, I just fell in love with it at one point because I, and I was like, you know what? I really like this. Why don't I just try this? And if I don't enjoy it, I can always go down another path and, and try that. But I have to make some kind of action because I was kind of in a sense of um, where I, I just, I, I, I had no direction and that was frustrating to me because I wanted to progress in some way. So I, I, I decided I was going to make that my, my, my career and, and just, and, and own it and take it and, in that time, once I made it my decision to do, I went back to school and got just an associate's degree in hospitality just to show I was serious about it. And um, in that time, it was from from when I decided in four years, I became a GM. Do you remember what your enunciation moment was, so to speak, from when you were a bellman? Was there a specific interaction or an instance that, you know, just engaged you to the point where you decided that this was what you wanted to do? There were a lot of them. Um, I think it was accumulative of all the experiences because it wasn't just about bringing up someone's bags. And that's what I would try to explain to people. That's, that's just the job. The, the mission or your, or your purpose mission, I think is more of a corporate word. Your, your, your purpose is to, impact someone and to really give them something 
to remember. And I was a hustler. I know I made, I made really good money doing Bellman. Um, but it was because I would do so much more. And I remember my boss saying to me, because I would act like it was all about the money. And tw- if I told 22 year old me that you're, you do this for the people, I would have never believed <laughs> the future self. But uh, it, it's exactly why I did it. And one of my boss said to me, he's like, you do, he's like, you act like you're all about the money, but you do this for more than that. And I didn't say anything, but that still sticks with me. And it meant a lot to me because it was obvious that I did it for more than the money. And initially that was the drive. But, you know, now that, now that I think about it, there is a, a time that it kind of clicked for me when I, it, it was like, Midnight, I, it was a, a hustle bustle day and I had these people pull up and they had their stuff in a hefty garbage bag. And I was thinking, you know, I'm ready to go home and they really want me to carry this hefty garbage bag upstairs. But I thought, you know what? I had a really good day. I made some good money. Let's just, let's just have a good attitude about it. They coaching myself and I took them upstairs and I was telling them all about the area and they were like, wow, we didn't know there was that much to do around here. And anywhere I go, I always try to find out the fun little unique characteristics of, a, of an area. As small as a town it could be, there's always something unique about it. And they said, you know, this is really fun. You, you gave us a lot to look forward to. And they gave me 20 bucks, which coming out of a hefty bag, <laughs> you know, it, it's not what you'd expect. And it kind of hit me that, you know what, if, if I just give this and put this out in the world, and if it comes back to me, great. You know, if not, I, I did something for someone else. And that's when it really kind of hit me that it was more than the money. The money still came, but my focus became more on serving the guests versus serving myself. That's uh, that's beautiful, man. I got goosebumps as you were speaking about that um, because you I think maybe initially, I think it was safe to say you may have judged a book by its cover to a certain extent when, when, when the guests walked in, which we've all done it before. Right. And absolutely. And maybe they had also at the same time judged you and said, this bellman is going to take our bags up to our room. It's going to be a transactional interaction. And you took that interaction from transactional to transformational and they paid it back for you uh, as, as well. So uh, that's a great, great story about unconditional hospitality. And it's clear just in the way that you speak that that enunciation moment continues to drive you uh, in, in your career. So from that point, and, and I'll say too, because I know this is a struggle for a lot of leaders and we're not necessarily honest about it is that there's times you have to remind yourself of that. And to say that this person deserves this experience, as difficult as they are, as frustrating as they've been, this is more, these people need it more than anyone else I've served today. And even though it may be hard, and even though you may want to be righteous or, um, you know, pay just desserts, you have to remind yourself in that moment, like, no, this, this, this person really needs this more. And this is for me too to remind myself that, that, that I'm, it's my job to do more, to, to put that good out in the world. You know, whatever we, I, I'm a firm believer in everything we put out is, is who we are. It says, it speaks of who we are. So if you put out crap work or if you put out, you know, and, and I, and I, and we're all guilty of it. We make those, those lapses where we 
fall back into bad habits or are just tired. And we need to remind ourselves and re-energize ourselves to keep delivering that kind of service. Uh, you just keep laying the goosebumps on me today, Josh. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but it, it's that sentiment is so relevant right now. Um, there's uh, one thing that we're trying to talk about more at Hospitality MD and is becoming a, a larger part of the conversation is especially right now during this pandemic, there's more social issues going on in the hotel industry aside from the financial distress that everybody's going through. And what you touched on is certainly one of them, you know, as a result of schisms between ownership, uh, management company, executive management, on property management, line level associates and guests. There's all these schisms going on uh, in the way that we navigate this crisis. And uh, one of the results of that is, you know, I think people, you know, maybe being more apathetic towards the guest uh rates are lower people who aren't as well traveled are are coming and staying in in hotels more so than ever and you know it's we find ourselves in a in a point where people are judging the guests and and vice versa but it, to be able to remind ourselves of why we why we started doing this as we especially right now as we navigate as people are so burnt out and doing trying to do far more with much less um, I think a lot of people can maybe resonate with that uh, sentiment, certainly right now. Yeah, we all need that too. Like hearing other speakers, like I love Christine Chase Trippy. When I have a, a bad day or I'm, I, I try to think like, what would she do? Because I think she really lives that and has that spirit. And it, but I, I my part, and while it, it's effortless for her, I think some of us do have to really sometimes put ourselves in check and say, this is what I'm doing this. This is why I do this and, and, and re-energize ourselves. And I think things like this podcast or even reading about other hospitality stories do like give you those goosebump moments to reiterate, this is why I'm doing this. This is my purpose here. And if you're not feeling that, you know, and, and you're not getting that response, this may not be the right thing for you to do. And that's okay. You know, but find that thing and give it, force you know i'm if not everything has to be your passion but it has to give you enough energy and excitement to want to continue doing it yeah because it's it when you especially in hotels when you you don't even have the luxury of sometimes being able to tell your spouse or your family or or your friends hey i'm going to be off of work at this certain time and we can do this if you don't even have the luxury of being able to do that you you're going to need to have some some energy just to be able to continue to function and 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 not let yourself go into a dark place. Um, now I I do want to talk certainly you know as it connects to our mutual city here of Chicago as your experience at the 664 room uh, triplex it was Loft Fairfield and Hyatt Place uh, yeah. in the north right. So yeah. big hotel, very unique concept, and you were working overnight MOD. Um, man, just tell me about it. I'm sure a lot of people would love to know how that was for you. I know that it sounds insane, but I wanted that job so bad. As soon as I read the job description, I knew because 
I kind of thrive on chaos and I knew it was going to be chaotic and I knew there was going to be so much to it because it's three different brands. So I had to know three different brand standards, three different PMS systems. Um, I had a great staff that I could really trust to handle the situations um, that, that arose. And often some of the brands performed better than the others. I'm not going to state any names here, but we would have hotels that needed to sell out first because of the redemptions for rewards. And at that time, that hotel had the lowest redemption rate in the city. So we would max with that. And then we would push we had to hit that 95% threshold, you know, to hit to get the rewards. So sometimes we would have to relocate, we would oversell the other hotels to relocate to that hotel. And we would have to do it in a way where it didn't just dissolve the guest experience. So my night outers got to the point where they saw me do it enough where they were able to do it. And it seemed like we were doing them a favor. I had one of my front, my front desk agents. She was, a, she was great. And she, a friend of supervisor, I should say. And the woman came back and gave her a bottle of wine and a hug for walking her to the other hotel, you know, but we didn't call it that. We didn't treat it like that. We said, Oh, we have this, you know, new brand and experience. We want to give you the opportunity to experience and see what it's like. And, you know, we take them over there and, you know, let them choose something from the snack bar. And, you know, I mean, we elevated it. Like we, one of the agents would help carry their luggage over there, almost like a bellman if the bellman, because obviously we, we didn't always have bellman on that, that ship, but it was always that kind of experience where then they felt like they were really getting some kind of privilege when in actuality we were relocating them. <laughs> But it, it's all about that delivery. Um, but those were the times where it was more like just trying to maximize revenues and sellouts. Because it, it really, I mean, it would be thousands of dollars that would be lost if I didn't sell the hotel out. But on top of that, you're in River North where one of our selling points was there's 150 bars and restaurants in a five block radius. So you had people all over. And I actually had a couple um, homeless folks that, hung around every night and I got to know them pretty well and I would feed them, you know, I'd say, Hey, I'll, I'll get you a sandwich. And, you know, I'd get them something from the market or a little restaurant in there. And they would keep lookout for me and let me know things that were going on in the hotel and come get me. Like I, and the one guy, I don't know his real name, but his name was Porkchop and Porkchop was like my guy. And he would keep an eye out for me and let me know, like, Hey, there's people peeing on the side of the building or, or whatever. Um, and I mean, building those kind of relationships because I didn't have a, a big security crew. It was me and one guy for 664 rooms and a lot can happen. I had a Halloween where I had a woman who I think had been assaulted and came out of the hotel and fell out on the sidewalk with her panties around her ankles and people were starting to take pictures of her. So like covering her, trying to cover her up and stay with her for the ambulance. But then at the same time, a fight broke out at the other corner of the hotel. So I had to go break that up because it was right in front of our entrance and there were guests trying to get in. And then on the other end of the building, I had a night owner who needed to do a walk, which obviously that was lower priority at the time. But those things all, all would happen at the same time and I would have to balance them and, and keep a semblance of order because if my team saw me shake or quake, then they wouldn't feel confident. And that was one thing I was really proud of on that job was all the mess we dealt with, the fights, the people um, 
you know, prostitutes as you get, you know, in the night, who, you know, stealing money from the Johns. I mean, that happens at the nicest of hotels. It has nothing to do with the quality. Um, you know, people, you know, being relocated, people who are upset with their stay, people who didn't get room service, whatever the item is, um, you know, being able to keep that order is so important, you know, and we, and we dealt with a lot of stuff and it's, it's something we don't often, um, you know, get the opportunity to address is how do you stay, how do you keep your cool? You know, and it's, it's not easy, but, um, for me, I'm, I'm a fairly resilient person. And I feel like I just, I get this like kind of moment where I just, everything comes, becomes calm. And I have this clear sense of what needs to happen. So I try to try to keep that control in those situations. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think we need to do a goosebump tracker or something for this episode. Cause you, you got me again, man. And it's, there's something that like I think only true like hospitalitarians who just they just love the game and you know just even when you said that you saw the job description you're like I want this job this is for me and you get there and it's probably even more chaotic than you could have imagined I mean you know I've after my hotel shifts have have gone in the you know previously and gone out drinking and whatever in River North and when you walk out of a bar at three in the morning and just survey the scene, you know, around Hubbard <laughs> Street and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, homeless people and crackheads over here, fights over here, pe- you know, people crying over here. Like, it's just absolutely insane at times to be able to kind of manage the chaos of a hotel, which is oftentimes the anchor points of these major street corners and and, and of the community uh, with multiple different, you know, you have the people who are there to party, the families who didn't know that it was going to be this crazy in the, in the location that they were staying in, and just wanted to grab dinner somewhere. To to be able to handle all that is uh, is you got to be true to the game to do that. Um, another thing too that I thought was awesome is you did something that I think a lot of hoteliers especially given that location probably wouldn't do, or maybe would even criticize you for, which is building and maintaining relationships with the homeless population in the area. Um, I myself have uh, often been known and I've been, my coworkers have laughed at me for, for that. Um, And sometimes, you know, it would get out of hand where I'm in the lobby and there's a homeless guy knocking on the glass, trying to get me to come outside. And I'm like, I'm busy, you know, can't you see what I'm doing here? but ultimately I think it's good to maintain those relationships and they were able to look out for you. Uh, and you had a nice symbiotic reciprocal, uh, well, there's, I'm good with boundaries and, and I was, you know, they could tell like, and I'm a big guy, so I, I don't really have a lot of people mess with me. So I, I think I had that kind of imposing nature just physically for them not to really kind of overstep those boundaries. Like I would kind of, you know, look at them and let them like, they could just tell like, I'm not, I'm not available right now. And then when I, when I did see them and I was available, I was very warm. So I think it was just a sense of like creating those boundaries, you know, like, Hey, you can't come in the hotel. You can't come in the lobby, but you, I'll come around and see you. I'll make sure you're taken care of, but just know, know those lines. Um, and I'm not saying every homeless person in the city, I was friends with, you know, but there were, there were a couple that like pork chop was one of them, you know, and, and, you know, and I had another one, I I called her, um, again, I didn't know her name, but I called her put in and there's a whole 
story about that, but I'd be afraid of my bosses knowing that one. But put in was put in was another one who'd look out and she kind of let me know things too. But she was she was more sporadic. Pork chop was like my, my constant. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um so you know you 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 did touch as well on kind of in the midst of all this craziness, right, that maybe you or I would thrive on, you know, it's tough too. It's tough when, when you're in those situations and you're working overnights or whatever the case might be. And you're, you, as a night auditor front desk agent, you take a job and you're like, I'm going to check people in and I'm going to work overnight and I can keep to myself. And then it's like, Oh, that's definitely not what this is all about. You know, once you're in the midst of it and there's, there's times that things happen that, challenge your mental fortitude a little bit uh have you experienced anything um traumatic with your team that you've had to overcome with them yeah unfortunately that's that's part of the business is that sometimes we deal with things that we're not prepared for and to do so as a leader i think it's important for us to do so with um some reverence and and to, and respect to the the situation, so that way we're setting up an example to the team because sometimes they don't know how to deal with it, and even sometimes leaders don't know how to deal with it. Things will come to you, and you just and and you you have to find that moment and that chaos to ground you. Like it, it, I remember this one time, there was this huge fight in in the pool. This wasn't in the city, but the pool area. These two families were fighting, and they were both having parties, and neither one of them should have a party. And everybody's yelling at each other and I'm looking around the room and I scan, I see this one person who's just calm and I'm like, that's my person. So I go right to them and I say, Hey, can you help me? You know, get that, just talk to your family. I'm going to try to do what I can to fix this. And, and, and just finding that, that sense that, that, that grounding, cause that will, that everything else will just kind of fall into place and it will catch on it. One thing that was really I think probably one of the more, and I think a lot of hoteliers have experienced this too. It's more traumatizing for most people. Um, we had a room where someone committed suicide and we didn't know initially, but someone kept calling for them and calling for them and they weren't answering the phone. And the guy on the other end, I think knew something wasn't right. Cause he almost had, his voice was cracking. He's like, please, can you just go check on him? And of course, you know, we do wellness checks. And when we tried to open the door, it was locked. And when we were, so I had engineering come, you know, to open the door because we weren't getting a response. And when we opened, there was a, the man was hanging and actually hung himself from the, the door. And I, in that moment, I just pulled together and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Everyone's standing up here. This doesn't leave this area. We need to respect this man and his life. and. I remember his name. I won't say it for respect, you know, but I remember his name to this day. Um, and in, in that moment, I knew it was my responsibility to make sure that we gave him that, that respect and honor of, of his life to not make a joke of it, to not make it a um, gossip for the hotel. So I made sure everyone knew that. I said, this is what we're going to do. You're going to call the police. I'm going to stay here, you know, and, and they were shaking and I, and I, I, I did everything. I said, this is, it's not our fault. There's nothing we could have done, but now it's our duty to make things 
as smooth as possible and, 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 and with the most respectful way as possible. And we did that. And one, and when I went home, I could understand like why people who are in like medical or law enforcement do what they do, because it's almost like a, a euphoric experience. And I hate to make it sound like it's something to look forward to because it's not, I, it, it made me evaluate, you know, how grateful I am for my life and that I'm in a place where I wouldn't even consider that. But it also was something that I thought was beautiful because it gave me that opportunity to deliver that experience for, for him and his family and to talk to the man on the other line and calm him and not, I couldn't say anything. I had to have let the police, you know, talk to him, but I wanted to give him some kind of warmth in that moment. And being, and it's not that I'm grateful it happened. Do not misunderstand that. But I'm grateful that I was the one who was able to handle it and be there because I knew I, I handled it the best I could. And I gave everything to, to make it so that it wasn't cold or it wasn't transactional or it wasn't, you know, disrespectful. And, and that meant a lot to me that I was that I was the person who took the call, if that makes sense. It does. It, it does a lot. Um, having experienced a similar situation. Um, you know, I've had one where a guest shot himself in the head and that was, that was one thing, but I think more rewarding. I, uh, had a guest who very similar to how yours, your story started. Family member was calling and calling and calling and we couldn't get a hold of the guest. And, uh, when we went up to do a wellness check, um, the guest had swallowed just an enormous amount of pills and it drank a whole bunch of alcohol and was laying on the floor crying and throwing up and, you know, just in a really bad place. And I think we got there at the right time and we were able to take the right necessary precautions, talk him off the ledge and get him the medical attention he needed. Um, and then the following day, his father showed up at the hotel uh, and gave me a hug and thanked me for helping to, to save his son's life and being there at the, at the right time. And I think, you know, for me, and I'm sure you could agree with this as well for somebody to make the decision that I want to go to a hotel room where nobody knows who I am and, you know, where I can be off the grid and alone and make that highly personal, intimate decision to take your life or attempt to take your own life, you know, as hoteliers were a backdrop to that, that experience for that person. And even though it's tough and, and we don't want to see that, that doesn't change the fact that we're, we're not there. And we do serve a, a kind of a bigger overarching responsibility in, in those unique moments. Um, do you have any comments on that sentiment? Yeah, that's something that's very important to me. And it's, the underbelly of our industry is is the emotional and mental toll that it can take on us and we don't teach how to cope with that and it's you know we're not mental health professionals so it's not our responsibility so say to do so but we prepare our staff you know to physically for the job you know to maintain safety you know proper lifting techniques, bloodborne pathogens, lockout, tagout, those sort of things. But 
we don't prepare for the mental part, which is a very real part of our industry and creates burnout for a lot of people. And there's a way that we could do it to teach like, hey, this is this is our purpose. Like, you know, that it's it's for me that that is what the driving philosophy is that makes it palatable for me is that I understand there's something bigger there and I have that responsibility and I feel that sense of commitment to it, to deliver it. But not everyone has that. So you have to find what motivates and drives that person. And it's a very um, subjective way of coping. Like you don't have, there's not one answer for everyone, which makes it harder to teach because if everyone lifts with their knees, you know, the bed's easy to, you know, you're not going to hurt your back kind of thing. But there's a there's there's not one size fits all fix for that, but it's something that does need to be discussed. And I liked I want to bring it to the forefront because there's a way we can do it without either villainizing the industry or the guests. Because I think it's it's part of a bigger problem that we don't talk about how to deal with emotions or when you're angry how to properly communicate them. No one teaches you that. You learn it throughout your life, but by the time you've mastered it, <laughs> the game's almost over. And it's something I think if we talk and adopt early and make it part of the job and say, hey, this can be a stressful job and this can be this, but this is what you can do. This is things I found work for me. It may not work for you, but I think just sharing those experiences and talking about it creates that conversation and makes people okay with talking about it and not just saying, well, that's the job or that's just what we have to do. The coping part is the part that we need to work on. Yeah, we can we can say anything like yeah, that, that's that's just how it is. I, you know, that's that's always a frustrating phrase and something I agree with Kayla on is that hearing that well, that's just the industry it doesn't have to be. We're leaders in the industry and we create that. So if we talk about it in our standups and saying, hey, we had this difficult guest, but you know, let's we we're dealing with our emotions and in that moment you don't want to think about how other people are feeling because you're you know what you're feeling and if you're frustrated or angry that should be at the forefront but if you reflect once it's done and think about well that person was really upset but maybe they don't know how to manage their emotions or maybe that and that's why you know their first instinct is to get angry and yell because maybe they grew up in an environment where that's the case and if we can counter that with a positive way of handling it like calming them and saying Hey, you know what? I understand you're upset. Let me help you, you know, because you don't want to reward bad behavior, but you want to quell it, you know, and just kind of get them to be like, hey, this is this is what this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to fix it. And delivering that with confidence is a big key, because if they don't think that you have it under control, they're not going to their their behaviors won't change. So you have to be able to influence their behaviors through your behavior. and. It's it's something that it's not easy and it doesn't come to everyone, but it's something I like to talk about because it's it's important and I think we don't discuss it enough. And I think especially with our line level employees and those things that we can teach in the industry, whether they stay with us or not, because we know it's a very transient industry, that's something that will serve them lifelong. And I, I, to amplify your point a little bit, I think part of it is is acknowledging like, hey, like are you okay after that guest just screamed at you? Or are you okay after you just witnessed this traumatic event or, or whatever it is? Because a lot of people just, because you're at work, it's a professional setting. People can be apprehensive to express how they're truly feeling. They can repress it. And, you know, and then it would just kind of come back bottled up 
later on in a more explosive way um, after being triggered by by another situation. You know, I, I can recall my most recent hotel with, you know, when civil unrest broke out following the death of George Floyd, um, being in downtown Chicago, my hotel was at the epicenter of the kind of violence that unfolded. And, you know, with a hotel full of guests and staff, uh, the hotel was intruded by rioters and all of our windows got broken. And it was very scary for a lot of people. And, you know, the management company was kind of just like back to work next day. You know, the, that houseman that was, huddled in the back office with a frying pan thinking that somebody might try and break through the door had to go and strip rooms the next day. And we never really sat down and was like, Hey, is everybody okay? Even for yeah. the people who weren't at work that day, I remember people called me and said, Oh, I, I was crying when I saw it on the news or I almost fainted when I was watching this because I wanted to make sure everybody was okay. There's trauma that can be involved in, in, working in a hotel, whether it's small, like, you know, a guest calling you something very offensive and you taking it to heart or witnessing a suicide or your hotel being destroyed by a civil unrest. There's so much that goes on and we just don't acknowledge it oftentimes. Um, and I, and I think that's something when we're handling a guest, most of the time we try and, you know, the heart method or the learn method, we try and deploy that and try and empathize and hear them out and, you know, understand where their feelings are coming from. Yet we fail to do that when it comes to our own family uh, at the hotel. Uh, so I think it's, it's great that, you know, at least you and, and there's other people coming up who are starting to make it a conversation, but we still have a long way to go as an industry without a doubt, at least in my opinion. Absolutely. And I, I task the brands to, to take that into consideration and make that part of the training. You know, it's, it's not just, it can't, it, grassroots is most important. We have to deliver the message, but if it starts up, everything you do, as you know, in a hotel trickles down from leadership, you know, and I, I have to remind myself of that, but I also, I, I put the brands to task for that because we do deal with this and this is, we all have stories like this. We all have our war wounds and share them, you know, when we, when we get with other hoteliers and um, it's, it, it needs to happen. But I think having the conversation starts, starts the process and gets the ball rolling. So I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to address that because it is something that is, it, it means a lot to me. And um, I value the experiences I've had in the industry. I think they've made me a better person. Um, even having gone through it, like, but I, I, like I said, some people it comes naturally to, I think I handle trauma and those kind of things. Well, not everyone does. I can't say what it, what, how it happens or how I, how I, I can hold it together, but I do, but you know, it's, it's, it, it is something that needs to be discussed. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. And, and I would relate to you in, in the sense that I feel like I do a great job. You know, I thrive on chaos and uncertainty and I, I love that part of the hotel game and I love the day to day of it all. And, and um, I, I feel like I handled these situations very well myself. And it, it wasn't until um, 
you know, shortly after that experience I mentioned at my previous hotel with the, with the riots that occurred in Chicago, that I was laying in bed. I was living at the hotel at the time and I was laying in bed, just hanging out. And I started to feel so like tense pain in my chest. And I thought to myself, holy shit, I'm having a heart attack right now. So <laughs> I, I was like, and I have congenial heart disease. So I was like, oh shit, like I'm, I'm definitely having a heart attack. So I got my shoes on and I took myself to Northwestern and they couldn't find anything wrong. They said, everything looks great. And it wasn't until, you know, I spoke with a mental health professional that I discovered that I had actually had a panic attack. Um, and, and I said, I didn't feel like anxious. My heart wasn't racing, you know, those symptoms that you typically associate with panic attacks. I I wasn't having any of those things. I was clear headed the entire time. And what she said was because I don't, you know, mentally feel anxious when I experience trauma, that my body was manifesting that in physical symptoms. Um, and that was a huge wake up call for me that like, even as, as tough as you might be, or as good at handling something as you think you are, your, your mind and your body still had, there's still like those animal instincts or whatever that, that primal stuff that you still will experience trauma and it will manifest itself in one way or another. Um, another thing that I think is worth sharing, you know, that this mental health professional told me is when you experience something and I'll use the the riots as an example, if you felt like you were at any point afraid of being physically harmed, your brain doesn't know the difference and it takes it as if you were actually physically harmed. So mentally you may as well have been, you know, attacked in some way, shape or form personally and experienced physical damage and your brain takes it the same way. Um, so I, I, I definitely think whether you know that you have, that you don't handle things, you know, maybe, I don't know if well would be the right word, but if you know, you don't handle things very well in the moment, or maybe you think you do, I think everybody can experience the same types of, of symptoms and, and adverse mental health effects yeah. in the long term. Yes. And it's also important that we have an outlet for it and to address it because it does build up on you. It's something that, you know, even though, like you said, in the moment you handle it, it later can impact you. So making sure that you have those moments where you either have someone that you can talk to or you have a healthy outlet, which I do, I'm very fortunate for that, um, to deal with that because it can't, otherwise it can build on you and it can cause a lot of issues. And like you said, it can manifest physically in you. Um, it's it, that's and that's again another reason why it needs to be at the forefront because it it can impact our health and it's and again I don't want to do it in a way that it's not like we're villainizing the industry but it's just a, a reality of the of of the world we live in. Um, I want I, I I love that you went to see someone about it because I think and even just discussing that I applaud you for that because a lot of people are ashamed of it and there's nothing wrong with that it's 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 going to the doctor it's health. Um, I, I'm an ambivert. Like I love talking to people and being with them, but then I have to have my time to myself. And if I don't allow myself those, and I know that myself enough to know that I have to give myself those times where I don't talk to anybody. I'm just hold up in my room with a book and to decompress because I don't deliver or perform at the same level if I don't have that. 
So it's it, it, it and you learn those things, you know, and, and and by talking about your mental health, whether that be with a professional, which I, I recommend or and I, I'm lucky to have a sibling that is in the industry um, so that that helps, you know, to be able to speak to someone who, who can who has that knowledge, you know, and knows you well enough. I mean, everyone has that privilege. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to share it with your hospitality family and write us a review on Apple Podcasts to help us spread the word. For those of you who didn't know, last week we launched our very own hospitality management and consulting company. Hospitality MD is proud to announce that we are offering services ranging from hotel management and receivership hospitality consulting, and hotel task force. For more information, check out www.hospitality-md.com. We look forward to welcoming you back to another episode of the Hospitality MD Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.